0: Hello and welcome to the Geeky Medics Podcast. My name is Josh Chambers and this podcast selfishly gives me an excellent excuse to interview interesting doctors and healthcare professionals from a range of different backgrounds. As I'm sure you agree, medicine and healthcare is extremely vast in its opportunities and potential career paths and it can sometimes be daunting and difficult to know what certain careers are actually like in practice. With our guests, we drill down into why they chose the speciality they're in and what it's really like to do the job. The next two episodes will be part of a series concentrating on diabetes. The first will be a first-hand patient account of being diagnosed and living with type 1 diabetes and the second episode will be an interview with a diabetic specialist nurse diving down into the more technical side of the condition. In this episode, however, we're joined by someone who was diagnosed with type 1 diabetes six years ago. This interview is a chance to explore what it's like living day to day with diabetes. And actually, this is a really interesting account, which I hope will be useful to medical professionals and students dealing with patients with diabetes. I hope, really, this is as useful for you as it was for me.
1: So I'm Ashwin, or Ash um i'm 25 um from southampton and i've had diabetes type 1 diabetes since i was 19 so it's almost six years now um so for the purposes of podcast we'll um
0: focus in on your obviously your diagnosis of type 1 diabetes so and you mentioned Mm -hmm. you were diagnosed when you were 19 so how how did that diagnosis come
1: about oh this is always a great story honestly (laughs) the amount of times I've told this and it never gets old um so it was basically around the time of exams at the end of my first year of uni and for a couple of weeks I'd been feeling and a couple of weeks is a long time Mm -hmm. to kind of like not do anything about it but basically I'd after this one particular night out, which hadn't been a particularly heavy night out, it had just been in the student union. Yeah. I woke up the next day feeling pretty awful. And obviously, I just thought, oh, you know, it's because of last night, ignored it. And then from that day on, I continued to just feel really unwell, but kind of progressively more so hmm. over the next two weeks. And that kind of look how that looked in reality was basically not really being able to get out of bed because I just felt really, really like, lethargic and then i was going to the toilet absolutely loads which i'm sure you've probably heard it's one of the telltale signs and like it started off and it was like maybe twice as much as normal so it's easy to kind of like i don't know associate with like i don't know just drinking too much squash or something like that you know you just just
0: go through your mind you're just thinking oh i'm just I've just a bit I've got a bug or something or yeah
1: so you think you know so for a week at least it's easy to just ignore it like the fact that you feel tired the fact that you're going to the toilet a lot and then the second week you know it carried on I was getting up in the night to go to the toilet like three or four times maybe more which as well as someone who is 19 is completely abnormal yeah like I'd never done that before in my life and yet like suddenly overnight I was getting up like five times in the night to go to the toilet yeah And again, just kind of ignoring it and thinking, oh, you know, it's just being a student. Mm. Like it's easy to just associate everything with being a student. Yeah. Um, Particularly in your first year, as well,
0: because you're just
1: yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, You know, party. (laughs) 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 It wasn't really like that. Like that doesn't sell the truth. I went out like seven times. Uh... But anyway, um, yeah. So uh, going to the toilet a lot. uh, Really tired, and I was eating loads of food, but at the same time, I was like noticeably like getting thinner. And I remember looking in the mirror in my room one day and being like, that's really weird. I I feel really like the only word for it is skinny, basically. Mm. Um, But anyway, so yeah, eating loads of food and getting slimmer, which makes no sense. And also drinking loads of water. um, And yet my mouth would be really dry. I Mm. can't even describe how dry my mouth was. And that's obviously because as I later found out, I was really dehydrated Mm. because I was going to the toilet so much Mm. And, you know, it just, it got to that point where I think I'd said, I'd mentioned it to my mum and obviously she was more concerned than I was because I was just focused on revising and stuff. Mm-hmm. And in the end, she kind of was like calling me and texting me and saying, right, you need to go to like the GP. So I booked a session with the GP on campus and I went to the GP and I've written down all the list of this weird stuff that was going on.
0: Yeah.
1: I kind of gave it to her and was like, I have no clue what's going on and my mum had actually suggested that it sounded like it could be diabetes Mm -hmm. and I thought now there's no way like you know I've never never had any health issues before like I've always been quite like fit and healthy so I don't think you know realistically I'm going to just randomly get diabetes Mm -hmm. and even my sister was like nah she's being dramatic um and Funnily enough, well, not funnily enough. The the doctor was like, "Hmm, okay, this does sound like it could be that." Yeah. We'll go and get your blood sugar tested by the nurse next door. So I go next door. The nurse tests it, and she goes, <laughs> uh, "Well, she looks at the the meter, and it was thirty three, <laughs> and I had no idea what that meant if in that reality." Was, so I, I turned on. I was normal. like, is that, "Is that is that good or bad?" And she, I think she was trying not to scare me because she was like. Yeah, that's quite high. <laughs> and then she was like, "I'm just going to send you back to the doctor next door." <laughs> me, completely oblivious, was like, "Yeah, all right." Went back to the doctor. The doctor was like, "Right," <laughs> and then immediately, obviously, like, prepared to send me to A and E as like per protocol. The thing was, the A and E was only like 15 minute walk from our university, so I was like, "Right, this really isn't what I need right now, but I will. If you insist, I will go down there." Hmm. So I was preparing to leave and walk and she was like, yeah, I don't think that's going to be safe, given your current circumstances. So I'm going to have to give the uh, university security guards a call and they'll pick you up and drive you to A&E. So they came over in their like meat wagon, basically, (laughs) and put me in the back. And I had this letter from the doctor. I had no idea what it said. And they drove me to A&E and I just felt like an absolute lemon because I was like... I mean, like obviously, this is bad, but I don't feel like I'm on the brink of death. So, you know, maybe this is excessive. I get into A&E and it's packed. There's like people on the floor waiting. And I was like, oh, mate, this can take forever. So I went up to the desk, as you do, to like check in. And I gave them the letter and the woman looked at it. She looked up at me and she was like, just go straight through, mate. And I was like, oh, God, this must be bad. So then everyone who was waiting looked at me like, damn you. I was like, I have no idea what's going on. But yeah, so that was it, really. And then from that point on, I just saw a, a whole kind of mix of doctors and nurses and, you know, everyone really Mm. and you know stayed in overnight and they had me hooked up to um insulin on one arm on a sliding scale was it insulin or yeah it must have been and then like just iv fluids on Mm -hmm. the other arm Mm -hmm. basically Mm -hmm. and the nurse the nurse had to come around every hour or two everything was every hour and check my blood sugar as well so yeah because you know and then suddenly the next day i was only in for one night Mm. i was back at uni at my then girlfriend's flat. And one thing I remember, which was really strange, and I don't know if you've heard about this, you probably have. When you become diabetic, type one, your eyesight changes quite a lot. Um, And I've always been short-sighted, so I've always had to wear glasses. And I remember being sat on the top floor of the building of my girlfriend's flat, which was quite high. It was like seven or eight stories high looking out the window and things that are miles away being like crystal clear and I was like I was like I have never had this before in my entire life and it only lasted for like a week apparently it's quite common like your eyesight just goes like through the roof and then it just goes like completely haywire really interesting Um, yeah Yeah. and like so for a week I had like 20 20 vision it was incredible
0: that's interesting I
1: mean a silver lining Off the top. well i don't know because now it's back to what it was <laughs> fine maybe not though very short-lived and very budget superhero power
0: <laughs> which of course isn't a superhero power because there's plenty of other people out there with 2020 vision but uh, you yeah, know, thanks josh <laughs> <laughs> and of course then you i mean you're you're sitting your exams presumably still yeah
1: so i actually sat one before all that happened and so I didn't even know I was diabetic and my, my main thought and worry about that exam was how the hell am I going to get through this without needing to go for a week and somehow I did it was a two-hour exam and I could have had a massive hypo but obviously I didn't know like you know I just had no idea
0: um in in some ways I suppose that is an absolute I mean you know that now it's te- like textbook textbook yeah like 100% yeah know, just all the yeah and everyone you ask who's type
1: one will have a similar story yeah and to be fair i think mine was probably on the kind of uh what's the word tame end of things if you listen to some people some people will be in like foreign countries on holiday and they have no idea and they gotta get like emergency flights back yeah so you know
0: yeah yeah so then from that point onwards presumably you're you're given all this information (laughs) oh (laughs) yeah like And you know, I mean I know about the body and I still find it quite a tricky thing to get my head around. So for someone, you know, with no medical background to suddenly be juggling, you know, units of insulin and oh gosh, and worrying about blood sugars and your numbers and like all of this, like how how did you get your head around that?
1: Well, luckily, we were talking earlier about diabetic specialist nurses or diabetes specialist nurses. Luckily I had a really, really good one um when I went into hospital called joy he was a really cool guy and he was very relaxed and like kind of uh he wasn't very serious in a good way so he kind of just introduced things in a friendly natural way Mm. in the brief time that I was in hospital and then he kind of like was my main source of contact so I had his like mobile phone number his like work phone number phone him yeah, basically, I could just ring him up and be like, Joy, what the hell is going on? And he'd be like, right, let's sort this out. And I think that helped because it meant that, you know, it's not just like, here's all the information, mm. see you later.
0: Mm.
1: You know, establishing and kind of maintaining that link, I think is quite important and useful. Um, and yeah, so starts off being like kind of easy mode, I guess, in that you just do, um, what's it called? So for example, I started on Nova rapid and Lantus Yeah. and Lantus is only once a day, but with the Nova rapid rather than counting the carbs and working out your insulin based on a ratio, right. you have a set number of units for each meal before you, and there's about any counting or any of Yeah. Just yeah. To... The, I can't remember the name for that. Yeah. Um, yeah. it'll come to me, but oh, yeah, yeah. So like, I think it was like four units for breakfast, four units for lunch, like six units for dinner. Right. Um, in the recognition so that that was like
0: your sugars would probably be a bit out but like for the meantime yeah exactly
1: yeah you just start on that and to be honest like i see it now but at the time didn't know but there's something called the honeymoon period which you'll know about Mm. obviously the first month or so doesn't really count as that but like basically your body has more of a margin for error when you're first diagnosed and that lasts for quite a while so even if you're a bit high or a bit low it kind of just sorts itself out i would say um so that sort of thing works quite well to start with or it did for me anyway I guess there was a lot of information I'd say one of the things which I struggled with the most was actually this might sound really stupid but the whole system of getting like the prescriptions and like the access to all of the stuff I needed and that was mainly because I had no idea what to do because I'd never had to get a prescription before yeah 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 which now considering I, I basically like you know make a massive dent in the nhs's budget <laughs> every month when i collect my prescription yeah um makes no sense but at the time i'd never needed to get a prescription and suddenly you leave hospital with enough stuff for like a week and they're like oh yeah just do this and do this and do this yeah, and there was that actually <laughs> yeah there was yeah. a really stressful point where like i think about a week after i left hospital i didn't have like like needles i didn't have like lancets for my finger pricker mm. and it was really stressful trying to get all that sorted so i think you know in hindsight what would have been good was like a clear like roadmap of like this is what you need to do or even like you know more of it being kind of covered for you when you first leave
0: yeah right? yeah yeah and so from that point onwards you then have a a greater understanding of diabetes and you presumably start sort of tailoring your insulin a bit better is that right so
1: yeah so you 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 start carb counting um at some point um and again joy kind of i think he introduced me to the idea of carb counting um unofficially Hmm. um and also i think at the time i was quite Inquisitive, and so I just started looking things up online. Mm. And there's quite a lot of stuff online about you know, you, you instantly find a mountain of information when you go looking, whether that's in the form of like blogs or websites or mm. you know, articles. Um, and also completely separate to that, a whole entity of its own is like the Twitter community. Mm. Um, I quite soon after I got diagnosed joined that, um, the diabetes online community on Twitter. Uh, yeah. Or doc or GB doc in the UK, it's like the UK kind of diabetes mm-hmm. peeps. Um, but yeah, I quickly joined that, and then obviously you you suddenly you're exposed to a world of people who know what they're doing already, mm. and you start thinking, oh, what the hell does that mean? What does that guy do? Like, what is that? So I started carb counting at some point, maybe like three or four months after I got diagnosed, mm. um, and that kind of changed the game a fair bit because then obviously you're like tailoring your dosages of rapid insulin Mm. every time you take it do you just like
0: obviously after like six years of um having diabetes do you just look at a meal now and
1: can you just it's weird you get like a sixth sense you do yeah you can just look at me and without actually doing any mental maths you can kind of think yeah that's 85 grams and, like, that's it's not cool. perfect, don't get me wrong, yeah. but, oh. like, it, it kind of works. But then, more often than not, I will sit and, like, think, okay, well, there's that many potatoes. Each potato is probably about 10 grams. So, like, four potatoes, I mean, that's that, 40 grams. Even the consideration that you would be thinking about a weight
0: of a potato going into your meal <laughs> or even, like, mash, Well, 10 grams of, of carbs in a potato, yeah.
1: But, like, yeah. how... That's <laughs> so an, you do that. an
0: absolute nightmare.
1: Yeah, so I, mean, I mean, I guess you just do it without thinking about it now or i do but and all diabetics do really but suppose when you say it like that it does sound (laughs) kind of like i have
0: have never ever
1: considered the (laughs) amount of carbohydrate in my potato yeah no exactly and you know i sometimes sometimes this might sound crazy but sometimes i i give someone some food or someone will be about to eat something and it's something which they couldn't know definitively what the carbs were mm -hmm. because like let's say it's a a restaurant or something, and then I'm about to say to them, "Oh, have you carb counted that?" Or like, you know, you're going to carb count that, or like, you know, how do you know how many? And then I'm like, "Never mind." <laughs> <laughs> the the wall so, yeah. like
0: mental. Yeah. They don't yeah. need to know about. So,
1: this. yeah, and like with rice and potatoes, before I cook them, it's so much easier if you weigh them before you cook them. Right. And sometimes you'll be in situations where you're at someone else's house or whatever, and you're like, they'll make you a dinner which is nice or whatever. And you just, you want to kind of be like, did you wear the rice uncooked? And like, obviously they didn't, but yeah. <laughs> well, like, you know, you be, I've stayed at an Airbnb before and the lady was really nice. And she was like putting on this whole like breakfast spread and cereal was a nightmare. Cause like cereal was like mainly sugar, um, mainly carbs. And I was like, oh, do you have any scale <laughs> cereal? And she was like, oh uh, no, sorry. I was like, I don't mind, I guess. <laughs> and you know, she was really cool about it, but like, yeah, yeah. you kind of forget. Because, yeah.
0: So that's that's where you're at. And then, so, so do you do you use insulin pens or, or...?
1: Yeah, so I've kind of done a bit of everything, really. I've been on a pump. Yeah. i am been on pens and I'm now back on pens and I'm probably going back on a pump. Um, So the common question is why? Like, why have you switched and stuff? Yeah, yeah. Um So I was on a pen to start with, <laughs> like everyone is. Everyone starts on a pen. Um, and when you're on a pen, obviously you guys probably know um that you have two two types of insulin you have your basal which is your background and you have your like fast acting insulin nova rapid um and yeah so you start on those two Mm. and you'll take your basal like once or twice a day and then your rapid insulin with meals um which works well you know and having been diabetic for six years and using pens now i think it's a it's almost like a foolproof system you know it's quite distilled in that like you know it's there's less moving parts there's less stuff that can go wrong and it works so it's like
0: an essential skill that yeah exactly
1: if anything went wrong yeah yeah and you know you may not be able to get like really high precision like tailoring of your levels or your dosages Um, or if you're you know really active it's maybe not the most versatile Hmm. method um, because once you've taken a dose of insulin. You can't adjust it, obviously. Mm. And also, taking a dose of insulin with an insulin pen is more hassle than administering a dose from a pump. Yeah. Administering a dose from a pump is basically like opening your phone and sending a very, very short text. Like, that's how much energy it takes, next to nothing. Yeah. But a pen, you've got to get your needle out, screw it onto the pen, dial it up, test out, like, shoot two units to test that the pen's working. And the needles working and then calculate the carbs mentally and stuff mm. then choose how many units you're going to take based on the amount of carbs using your own ratio and your ratio can change for breakfast lunch and dinner so you've got to bear that in mind as well um and a lot of this you do mentally if you're on pens because you don't necessarily have like a device which would do it for you whereas when you're on a pump most of this is all kind of like um set up in your pump so that you just put in the carbs. It'll calculate your insulin using your ratio for that meal time. Cause you set like times of the day where your ratios are certain ratios. And then it will tell you how many units it suggests and you can adjust it and you just hit go and then it'll go through the tube. So yeah, it's like easier, quicker, and more discreet with a pump, Mm. I would say. Mm. Um, But yeah, so I was on pens and then about two years in, maybe two or three years in, I kind of decided that I would like a pump. Mm. Um, and I was quite active at that time, doing a lot of running and stuff. And also at uni, you know, timetable was a bit all over the place. And so a pump gives you more versatility mm. in that sense, because um, you can make adjustments on the fly and stuff. So I went through the process of applying for a pump because you can't just get one, you have to apply and you have to meet the nice guidelines basically. Because mm. you do it almost like an interview where they talk about like your requirements and stuff basically to assess whether you, you fit, you fit the nice guidelines. Mm. And luckily I did because I had quite a lot of stuff that like in terms of quality of life would be improved if I had a pump. Yeah. So I've got a pump and I was on the Medtronic 640g, um, which has, it looks a bit like a classic iPod. And this is a funny, this is like a running joke that I have with my two mates, Fee and M. Uh, the amount of times, Oh, probably not that many, but like, you know, be on a train and some yeah. guy turns around like, excuse me, mate, is that a classic iPod? <laughs> <laughs> and I'd be like, no, nah, sorry, mate. It's a, it's a insulin pump. Um, yeah. It's, you know, they're a good little device, you know, it's yeah. like smaller than your phone, but a bit chunkier. Yeah. Um, and so as a bloke, you can just put it in your pocket. Really good pump. Loved it. You could do so much stuff with it. You can do, um, And just dual wave bolus is where you split the bolus, not necessarily in half, but into two parts and you can deliver one part and then another part at a certain amount of time later, which is really good if you're like eating a pizza because a pizza has loads of fat in it. And so all the fat like delays the carb breakdown into glucose. Yeah. So you get like a double spike of glucose where the fat like kind of delays that second breakdown. Um, So yeah, I guess the only problem with the pump that when it goes wrong, it kind of like can be a real headache to fix. It doesn't necessarily completely break. It kind of just stops doing what you want it to do or your levels stop doing what you would expect them to do. And a lot of the time you can't work out why. Um, And obviously the pump has quite a lot of elements to it. So with mine, it had a reservoir, like it had tubing, has batteries, it has you know, multiple bits has an infusion site. And so there's, mm. there's more stuff which you need to kind of like troubleshoot. So let's say for example, your levels aren't really, you know, you take a bolus for a meal later on, your sugar's really high. The next time you take a bolus for a meal, your sugar's fine. the sugars are fine. Time after that, they're really high. And you just yeah. think, well, what the hell's going on? And the problem is you're kind of relying on that pump, just like you would be relying on insulin pens to keep you functioning. And so even if it's not a major break where everything stops working Hmm. if for some reason your levels aren't what you would expect and you can't figure out why that kind of affects you know other things as well like your you know general state of well-being and your yeah yeah your capacity mentally to kind of deal with it and so i think when the pump goes wrong it can be quite annoying yeah because yeah it can be quite a hassle um, and you you've only kind of got like a window of time to sort it out because obviously you're kind of expecting and relying on that pump to work
0: yeah i, I had a, another friend who was uh who had type 1 diabetes and was he was a medical student at the time and was scrubbed into surgery um and right. then his his pump just started beeping and then just right. stopped, and then just stopped working Oh dear! Uh, and he just like looks behind. It's, it's, it's like completely not working, and he didn't have spare pens. We were in oh, South man. Africa at the time as well. Uh, <laughs> um Luckily, we're in a hospital, so yeah. there's there's obviously all the equipment there. But then he, he's using insulin that he's not used to using, yeah, and all yeah, this yeah, lot. Yeah. yeah. So I can imagine just j- it, just breaking, and then
1: yeah, hey, yeah, if you were
0: out for a meal or something, you wouldn't you wouldn't necessarily bring your pens or, I mean, well, exactly. I
1: mean, technically on paper you're supposed to, but you know, it's like, you know, that's quite a hassle. So you yeah. expect it to kind of just be fine, but you know, you get caught yeah. out. I mean, sometimes it's that, you know, you get caught out of Frankie and Betty and sometimes you get caught out <laughs> in South Africa. <laughs> so, yeah. like, you know, it's just, yeah, you never know. Um, So yeah, that can be.
0: So that's why you decided to switch back.
1: Well, no, you kind know. of. So, I'd had periods, as you do, when you're on a pump, where like stuff, where it kind of like throws its toys out of the pram. You know, I was, I was struggling with other stuff, and my pump was just not working out. And so I just made a kind of on the spot decision: I'm going to take a break, Mm. with the intention of only coming back on pens for a short while. And you know, almost a year and a half or something later, I'm still on pens. Because
0: there's some there's some pumps with monitors of your blood glucose as well. Is that right?
1: yeah well they're not integrated so you would have a pump and a sensor separately um and different pumps use different sensors so some use like proprietary sensors so for example medtronic use their own sensors Mm. um which you can only like use with so you can only use medtronic pumps with medtronic sensors if that makes sense yeah, yeah whereas you can buy like independent sensors like dexcom you might have heard of but that won't that won't talk to your medtronic pump. Sure, but what?
0: then you could read that information and make a decision it, on Yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: But then there are pumps which can take data from a Dexcom and then there are pumps that, you know, can take data from multiple continuous glucose monitors. And in fact, most people are not eligible for continuous glucose monitors as part of their pump on the NHS. Yeah. So, even if you're eligible for a pump, you're not necessarily eligible for continuous glucose monitoring sensors mm. or i don't know if you've heard now but there's also it's been around for a long time actually the freestyle libra mm. um, which is the little white disc like thing on your arm yeah um, so that is a flash glucose monitor which is not the same as a continuous glucose monitor in that you have to kind of flash it with your nfc but device. It, sa- it
0: saves you stabbing yourself
1: yeah yeah exactly yeah so that's
0: yeah they're quite common of, i've seen those quite yeah, a yeah
1: with... the thing is now the reason why they're common now is because you can get them on the nhs so right right as a type one all type ones are eligible for the freestyle libra and now actually all type ones are eligible for the freestyle libra 2 which is not just come out but it's kind of just becoming available and you know now it has become uh, kind of available for everyone on nhs sure, and, sure. Um, and no extra cost to the nhs apparently so it's just a case of updating your prescription yeah which i yeah. haven't actually done yet but i'm planning to do at some point yeah
0: yeah so. yeah and uh because a lot there's lots of stuff online about um people with diabetes um you know issues with weights, you know uh diabulimia um yes. and you know issues with exercising with insulin it's just like that's all a bit of a you know it must be really tricky to manage weight on incident because you know when you don't you know you you know how to lose weight if you if you wanted you know yeah uh,
1: i mean to be honest i don't know if i'm the best almost kind of qualified person to speak about a lot of those things um Mm -hmm. by nature quite luckily i quite easily stay around the same weight um so weight gain and stuff hasn't been an issue for me mm. um exercise has been a- an issue and you know it's actually something i've looked into quite a lot exercise and diabetes is even for me now i find it quite challenging um there's you know lots of considerations there um depending on the sport you're doing mm-hmm. um it feels like a lot of the sports you do you're kind of learning from scratch like what your blood sugars are going to do right um some obviously, obviously the first time
0: you might go like I don't know, kayaking or something, and that I, yeah. I suppose you have no idea how that will.
1: Then you're yeah. constantly
0: worried that you're you're going to have a hypo. Or... You
1: you can kind of guess based on other exercises you do and stuff, but yeah, at the end of the day, like if you've never done a specific exercise before, you don't know what's going to happen, and you know it's just trial and error, and that mm. is the reality with exercise and diabetes. It's trial and error.
0: Yeah. Um. Is there? Is there things health professionals do or say that have ever like annoyed you that you'd want to you'd want to tell them now? You'd be like, that's really (laughs) annoying or, you know,
1: I have one story that comes to mind instantly. So I was at uni um, and at the time I was trying to learn how to become a qualified skydiver, which sounds crazy. But, you know, there was other people at uni doing it as well. And we had a club and stuff. Um, yeah. and obviously I needed like a medical form signed and the doctor, when I first presented this to her, she said, which was fair enough. She needs like, you know, information about my diabetes control before she can just like sign me off to go and jump out a plane. Mm. Cause the idea was obviously I need to have relatively good diabetes control and, you know, at least have some awareness of my hypos and stuff. So mm. Mm. yeah, um, that was fair enough you know, it's protocol. So I said, okay, cool. So she said, Go and get like your blood tests done, get your HbA1c done and, you know, come back and we'll talk about it. So I did that. HbA1c at the time was 44, um, which is like as good as gets, type 1 diabetic. Um, And she was like, well, all right, sorry, I'm going to have to, you know, I'm going to have to like, she said your liver functions a bit high. I was like, okay, all right. So then she was like, right, I need to find out why your liver functions are. And basically, we, we just went around the houses. like mm. at one point she was saying to me, um, oh, your vitamin D is low. You're vitamin D deficient. And yeah. this is what I mean when I say it was a one-off case. But in the end, she never signed it. She refused to sign it. And then, you know, later on, when I was in London for my placement year, when I was under Guys and St. Thomas, mm. signed it straight away. Like really? the next doctor signed it straight away after I explained and, you know, had my HBO and C was, you know, because that was kind of like common sense. So I guess, yeah, the only thing there would be like, diabetes can be a barrier to some things. Like I can't go and join the RAF or whatever. But, you know, sometimes the help and kind of, you know, empowerment and encouragement of a healthcare professional who, who kind of holds the keys to some of these things can be like, you know, useful. Um, well, and sense. to
0: you... Uh, yeah quality of life probably more than anything uh, yeah your gp would do at that time you know i guess yeah
1: so that was one that was one example (laughs) Mm. um i have generally had a really good experience with healthcare professionals and doctors when it comes to my diabetes you know i've always felt supported i've Mm. always felt like my team and my diabetic specialist nurses and stuff You know, care about me i guess Mm. is the simplest way of putting it yeah and i've always felt like you know i get good care um one thing i would say which maybe isn't kind of a direct answer to your question is that at the moment services for mental health support for people with type 1 diabetes are very limited Mm. um and that's a money thing basically as far as i understand it um if you have type 1 diabetes and you struggle with your mental health which apparently a lot of people with type 1 diabetes do I think I read a statistic don't quote me on this but I think like 50% of people with type 1 diabetes go through depression because of the nature of the condition
0: um why just because of just juggling it all and... yeah
1: and just the way it changes your everyday thinking over time it just yeah. kind of beats down on you and you kind of yeah. get into these you know thought patterns and stuff and you know I certainly have struggled with you know, depression and my mental health for a long time. And a lot of that, not all of it, I definitely wouldn't say all of it, but a fair bit of it is to do with diabetes, directly mm. or indirectly. And when I approached um, my healthcare team about type 1 diabetes um, mental health support, mm. they said, we don't have it and it was not it was not a personal thing it wasn't like no you can't have it it was like the facility doesn't exist we don't have it yeah but mm. sometimes it's not enough if you're dealing with diabetes as well
0: and sometimes and very specific people... challenges as well
1: yeah and so type 1 diabetes and mental health support would be a mm. really great thing to have mm. but you know i understand you can't have everything you know most of the people most of the people i've met yeah. have been really good um it's only rarely you come across someone that gives you trouble for some reason or another. Sometimes people feel like they're getting blamed for kind of, you know, the the way their diabetes is going. Mm. Um, sometimes it can feel like they're speaking to someone who's not listening, that sort of thing. Um, yeah. It must be um, so
0: tricky because um, you're constantly watching the numbers, aren't you? You yeah. know, like you... And then you you go to your your clinic appointment and it, your your numbers will be out or whatever, and then I mm. suppose you, like you do you feel judged, don't you? In the, even in that yeah, like it's, it's, quite, really it's quite it's a to it's quite a
1: vulnerable situation really. It's kind of like you someone like analysing your life really because um, it is your life. You know yeah. those numbers are your life, not not hundred percent of it, but every day, day in day out, you are juggling the numbers. And if you
0: don't manage the numbers,
1: yeah, and that's going to show and then they look at it and they pick it apart and you know it's quite a uncomfortable experience to be honest sometimes I imagine um but you know luckily if you have good nurses and doctors they will work on your they'll be on your team so it's it's kind of not like they'll try and help you telling you what to do yeah it's more kind of like right let's fix this together um yeah yeah and sometimes i go in and you know there's been times to be honest josh once or twice i've been in and sat with them and we've barely spoken about diabetes we've just spoken about life and you know difficulties and mental health and stuff and they'll just sit there and listen to you um Mm -hmm. obviously make you a cup of tea and like they're just really 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 caring thoughtful people and they also are complete experts in their field when it comes to diabetes you know Mm. they know it inside out and so if you have got specific issues or you know even if you just want help with certain elements of your diabetes control Mm. they'll do that and i can only praise i can't praise um, june and penny and dr patel at southampton university pump clinic enough because they are they're all amazing you know and you know i can call june on the pump clinic phone and like have a breakdown if i want <laughs> and she'll she'll sit and listen
0: mm, cool um i don't think i've got any other questions we've talked for ages so oh god so yeah much. sorry
1: I, realize I i talk so much
0: <laughs> oh no mate it, it completely makes my job really really easy when guests can talk um seriously ash that that was really really useful and i'm sure students and and medical professionals dealing with patients with diabetes will find that incredibly insightful so thank you very much for joining us on the geek medics podcast thank you again for listening if you enjoyed the podcast and want to hear more from us please consider subscribing through your podcast provider. You can also follow Geeky Medics on Instagram, Twitter and Facebook. As always, we'd love to hear from you with suggestions on who you would like to hear from next. But most importantly, if you find insulin prescribing as hard as I do, don't forget to tune into the next episode with our excellent diabetic specialist nurse. As always, thanks to the producers of the podcast, Emma Harvey and Lewis Potter.